DiscerningHearts.com presents The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork. Father Bork is a priest of the Archdiocese of Dublin and has served as vocations director for the diocese as well as pastor in a number of its parishes. Trained as a spiritual director in the contemplative style, he now serves as chaplain to the University College Dublin, the largest university in Ireland. He is the author of Make Your Home in Me, Reflections on Prayer, Master, The One You Love is Ill, Reflections on Illness and Caring for the Sick, and Mercy in All Things, Reflections on the Diary of St. Faustina Kowalska. The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Amon, thank you so much for joining me. I am so uh, excited to be able to talk to you about the probably the most important relationship and communicating that we can do in our life. I think it's so important to pray, isn't it? Absolutely. Look, it's a privilege to be with you today, Chris, to talk about an incredible encounter between the human person and God, this almighty, powerful God who created everything, the universe and everything that's in it. Um, and even though the world is filled with six, seven billion people, this God of ours wants to enter into a deep relationship with each one of us. He knows us by name and he knows us intimately. And all he's doing is calling us, tugging slightly at our hearts gently to enter into that deep peace that can only be found in him. So it's, it is the most powerful and most important relationship that we can ever foster. Because if we don't foster this relationship properly with God's grace, then all the other relationships of our life are just amiss. Things are just not right. And if we can get the relationship between ourselves and God right, and I mean that, I have to be careful with the word getting it right, because we can often judge our prayer and say, well, I didn't pray well, or I didn't pray properly, but God accepts every attempt to pray to him as a beautiful gift, that it's not something we have to get right, we just have to stop ourselves and do it. I, I'm so glad you said it that way. I mean, we just have to stop ourselves and do it, because you know, for many of us, we're not even sure what prayer truly is. I mean, we have a sense, I'm supposed to say certain prayers that are already established, or I um, am going to ask God for things, but, you know, I'm not 100% sure that he'll answer me the way I'm hoping he will. There's a, a paradigm, isn't there, in our prayer that we, where we have to first begin, Absolutely. And I suppose it's the realization, I suppose, at the beginning that God exists. And to take that leap of faith that the God who created the universe exists and lives and moves and has its being, and that this God who exists is somebody who wants to hear us. Um, I think that's an important thing because we're not just talking into space or talking to ourselves or trying to uh, clear the thoughts of our hearts to nobody. We're actually speaking to God as I said, who created us, who loves us, and who really wants to hear us. I love that that phrase that God who created us craves our attention in the most beautiful way, just looking for us to stop, um, to still ourselves, to turn towards him and just be in his presence. And that's the beginning point of prayer, isn't it? It's recognizing that this God who created me wants to hear me, and all I have to do is stop and be still in his presence. Yeah, I, I think maybe for some of us, we wonder why. I think there aren't those the great two questions we're always asking is why and how. Why always has to come first, doesn't it? 
you know, why 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 do we need to pray? Why do we need to stop ourselves? Um, what's it all about? You know, um, I suppose one of the lines from the scripture that always stops me in my tracks is from one Mark thirty five, and it's a, it's a beautiful uh, piece that I always reflect upon. And it's early in the morning, long before dawn. Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a quiet place to be with his father to pray. And that's the why, because if Christ Jesus himself, the Savior of the world, needed to pray and communicate with his God, then we need to stop ourselves, and as mortal human beings, to stop ourselves and to go off to a quiet place to pray as well. And why did Jesus go to pray? Surely he was the son of God, and surely he didn't need, he like God, he was uh, intimately close to God, his father as well. But he knew the importance of spending time himself in communication with his father. And it's from his father that he gained the grace and strength to understand deeply his mission in the world, who he was, beloved son, called to reveal the heart of God the Father to a world. And he needed the grace of his father flung through him through the gift of the Spirit. And so too, we need to stop ourselves so that we can too can enter into the mystery of who God is for us. And that's why we, we stop and pray, because we need to also God's grace to understand who we are as beloved children of God. And I think really the only way that we're going to have a deep understanding of that deep mystery that we're son or daughter is by spending time with the Father in prayer. Is it possible, Father, that for many of us we're, we're Adam or we're Eve, where we are at this point in our lives that we feel we can't. He may very well be calling us, but we can't possibly go to him because, as they were, we're ashamed. We may not even realize we're ashamed. Absolutely. Uh, that's a powerful piece of scripture in the the garden. When they took of the, the fruit of the garden, the first thing they realized when they entered in that sinful state was that they were naked, and so they hid so they, their sinfulness, the evil one, attempted them, first of all, to take from the fruit. But the biggest victory was to tempt them to hide from their God. And because of their sinful nature and the, the way they felt about themselves and about their relationship towards God, that they went off and they hid. And they, they were too embarrassed or too ashamed to show themselves to their, to their God who created them. And it can often be the same for ourselves because there's none of us who are perfect. We're all weak sinners. And the world in which we're living is not an easy world to live in. And it's filled with temptations and distractions and things that are calling us away from our God. And sometimes because of our frailty and our human brokenness, we do enter into sinfulness. And our sinfulness can accumulate in our life. And it erodes us of who we are as our, as beloved children of God and as that dignity of who we are. So we are often like Adam and Eve, we go off and we hide as well because we feel God wouldn't want to see me. I've, I've blown it with God. Uh, I'm too sinful for God. Why would God want to have any time for me now, a, a weak sinner, that I've just, I've just destroyed this relationship? And I suppose that the key to it is nothing can stop God from loving us. I often talk about a, a mother or father who has a deep love for their child and Often it's the case that no matter what the son or daughter does, the mother or father just can't stop loving the child because they, they brought this child into the world and they love their child. And imagine if that's the case for an earthly parent, what is it like for God our Father who loves us intimately? We, he can't stop loving us. And instead of 
seeing our, our sinfulness as a blockage. He actually sees our sinfulness as pain and sadness and a poverty within ourselves. And it's a, a pain and a, a poverty that he wants to touch with his healing power. So actually, the complete opposite is true. And instead of us trying to hide from him, we should be really trying to go to him with this vulnerable brokenness to reveal it to him, knowing that he will heal us and love us. Yeah, there are those who, because of the choices they've made in their life, carry that particular shame or guilt or whatever that is that might be blocking them. There are others who it's because of a world that will say, you're not good enough. For it to be more concrete, you're overweight, you're underweight, you're not bright enough, you're too lofty, you're set apart, you're whatever that is, even as children. I, I'm the second child. They loved my brother more than me. They, My baby sister was more important in the family. I'm, I'm nobody. There are those kind of deep, deep aches that make us wonder if the people closest to me, how could don't love me or the world doesn't see me, how can God and why would he care? It's true. We do pick up messages from our, our upbringing, from our surroundings, from the people around us that do rob us of our peace and do rob us of that dignity. No human person is perfect, and the way they relate to us will always be imperfect, and the way we relate to other people will be imperfect. But the beautiful thing is that we have a Father who is perfect and who relates to us in a most perfect and beautiful way and that we can relate to. And I suppose the beginning point for me in prayer is really recognizing that which we're carrying, which is vulnerable and weak and which is weighing us down. And that be the beginning point of our prayer. We often think when we go to pray, I have to like, put on a smiling face and my life has to be perfect. And I have to say nice words. And as you said earlier, just repeat formula. Um, but actually, one some of the greatest prayers, the prayer that comes from the heart and, and even to say to God, look, Lord, I'm a frail and vulnerable person. I, I've picked up a message in my life that I'm overweight and that, that, that there's something wrong with me or I'm too shy, or I'm, I'm no good as a person. This is what I've picked up from the world. And I'm, I'm just really sharing that with you this morning and the pain that that brings me and the energy it saps from my life. And it, the way it makes me look at myself. And uh, that's my gift to you this morning, my frail, broken, vulnerable weakness. And I'm offering to you as a gift. And I know you as a perfect, loving father can transform this broken frail, weak part of myself into something beautiful, that handing this gift over to God, God can bring something incredibly beautiful from even the most broken, wounded state in life. I have complete confidence in this. So in some ways, we don't have to put a perfect face on before God when we pray because he wants to see us and hear his warts and all. He wants to in some ways, the broken, weak, vulnerable, embarrassed parts of our life, the stuff that we're embarrassed to share with anyone else god is already in there and he's literally inviting us in to to open it up to share it with him so that he can pour his grace into our hearts another important aspect of the why we should pray to him is that sometimes we carry an anger there may be something that has made us so darkened with anger that even though it's red hot, sometimes it's like mm. red, and yet it may be at a person or at parents or something, but in, oftentimes when you go even deeper, you're angry with God. 
why should I pray to him? And I've prayed and he hasn't answered me. Or why should I do that? Because he's only going to punish me if I open myself up to him. Um, that can be a real concern for some, can it, Father? Absolutely. It can be a very d deep concern for people because, as I said, human life is not easy and we have uh, problems and trials. We have, we have times of illness, we have times of bereavement, and that can affect us on the physical level, on the emotional level, and most importantly on the spiritual level. And it can create a, a, an anger in our hearts. Remember, my my own mother died this time last year, and even just coming to terms with the grief of her loss, I began to realize myself that there was an anger myself towards God, um, that he'd taken her and she'd suffered quite a lot in her life. And just realizing that that anger was there was in itself a, a beautiful gift that God enlightened me to see that, okay, I am. So what do I do with this anger? I tell God I'm angry. I can bring this to the God who loves me and I can share it with him. And I can tell God I'm angry with you or I'm disappointed with you or I feel I feel abandoned by you at times, you know. So we can be completely honest with him in this, whatever is really holding us back and that deep anger within ourselves. Often when we're upset or anxious, we can bury things down and we can we can try and cover it up and we can try to force it down, but it doesn't go away. It, the, the wound is still there. And unless we can really bring it into, our, into the light and bring it out to God and share it with him, it's going to become like a festering wound within our hearts. It's always going to rob us of our peace. You know, they always say to err is human and to forgive divine. So the forgiveness is really a gift from God and a grace from God. And if we pray for that gift of being free to be able to forgive and to allow anger to go, that from his heart flows that beautiful gift of the energy and the grace that we need to do this. We'll return to The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Borg in just a moment. Help support this vital ministry. Discerning Hearts is a 100% listener-supported apostolate. Now through Labor Day, please prayerfully consider making a sacrificial gift to help us raise $40,000 to fund operating expenses for this truly life-changing Catholic programming and prayer. We recently received a generous grant to hire new employees to grow the apostolate, but we still have to fundraise those operating expenses, which have significantly grown over time. The financial contributions of listeners like you enables us to continue this important ministry. As an independent, not-for-profit lay organization that is not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is 100% listener-supported. So again, between now and Labor Day, please visit discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. The Magnificat My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. 
He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. We now return to The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork. What you're really advocating is a dialogue with God. Dialogue. Not a monologue. (laughs) (laughs) Where he's just talking to us or or we're just talking to him. I mean, it's... It's it's really an engagement, isn't it? Absolutely. And I always look at it like an engagement with a really good friend of yours, you know. When you sit down with a friend, you want to hear what's going on in their hearts, and they want to hear what's going on in your heart. So it's a real deep sharing on a deep level. Um, and when you really know somebody and you really trust them, okay, you can talk about the weather and that kind of as a kind of an introduction, but you don't belong getting down to what really matters uh, with a person who you trust and whom you love. And again, with prayer, it's about sharing with Jesus in your prayer what's really going on in your life. I often say it's your thoughts, your your feelings and your desires, what's really going on in your heart with him. And then sitting with him and allowing him to heal you and him to speak to your heart. I suppose silence it can be something that can be very difficult for people, especially when people are struggling in an area of their life where they're often distracted by their pain. The more we spend time with him who loves us, the more the practicalities of prayer become less important than just being with him in prayer. And we often, you're right, we often enter the prayer asking for things and wanting answers to our prayers and wanting this or wanting that. God really wants to be in our presence. So the goal of prayer should be really to be in his presence, trusting that this father who loves us, if I spend time with him and allow his grace into my heart, that he'll give me everything I need. That in some ways, I don't really even have to ask for things, although part, asking for things is part of prayer. But the Father who knows me and who I've revealed myself to knows what's best for me too also. So it, it, there's a, a deep trust that builds up from this heart to heart and from that deep listening to each other. Ah, but you uh, said something very important. It's You have to give it time. You have to give it some space. Uh, how Absolutely. often do we hear we don't have time anymore? Yeah, look, we're surrounded by distractions and business and noise and uh, things to do and full programs and full events and that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes we feel like praying, sometimes we don't feel like praying. I often say to my students here in the university, um, on the days you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. That's so important. And I always use this, this phrase, pray, 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 and do it every day. We need to spend some bit of time, like what's what's important in our life? When we have a list of priorities, we ask ourselves, what's my priorities in life? Okay, I have to work. I have to feed myself. I have to clothe myself. I have to um, meet family and meet friends. They're priorities. But if we put prayer in the highest place of priorities, then everything else will fall into place. So instead of starting off, okay, what do I have to do today? You have to ask, well, where am I going to find time to engage with my God? And if that's the main priority of our day, then we'll find time. And God isn't looking for perfection in this. We'll find time somewhere. 
it could be even on the bus going somewhere or even on stop the traffic lights in the car or it could be spending time waiting for somebody to come around to the house or it could be a gap between appointments in our schedule where we just stop ourselves and we still ourselves and become aware of the presence of God and we invite God into our hearts. Um, but it's so important that we do it every day because it's a, it's like any relationship. I know with any human relationship, look at the relationships in your life that have have kind of faded away. And you ask, well, how did that relationship fade away? Well, we stopped communicating. We stopped, I stopped bringing the person up or I stopped reaching out to that person and it kind of faded off. Um, and that's what happens with relationships with God. God doesn't change towards us and God doesn't distance himself, but we do. We we forget and we retreat into ourselves. So it's so important that we put it on the priority list, that we give it time and that we give it space in our hearts. And the other thing I'll say about it, you know, sometimes when we're very distracted and that kind of stuff and we say, oh, I don't, I don't feel like praying today. And if you'd normally pray 30 minutes, I'm saying to you is to pray 31 minutes just to go that extra mile with Jesus. I often think about a violin player or a, a pianist who's playing for a, a concert. I know when uh, there was a Paderewski, the, the Polish composer, um, uh, in, instrumentalist, and he said, if I didn't practice one day, I'd notice. If I didn't practice two days, my manager would notice. If I didn't practice three days, then the audience noticed. And it's something about the same. If we, if we, The less of prayer we do, the more distracted we become and the more we draw away from our God. So it's something that we do have to do every day. Well, it, it does, like you said, the, the right environment matters. I mean, how the, the time, the place, the setting. It, and like you said, it, it can be in a car. If you're in between stops, it can be wherever you're at. The, the setting, the right environment, has to begin with what we create in ourselves, isn't it? I mean, it's the, what is it? I, I often think of that cell of solitude that Catherine of Siena would talk about. Well, yes, yeah, she did in her young life. She went into a cell. But when she came out, she realized she could continue to have that even when she was one of the busiest women in Siena that she still had that space that was available to be able to have that communication. Absolutely. I think it's important to say that we need to spend some bit of time each day in prayer. If we do that, then we're more inclined and more likely to find God in the other parts of our day. If we don't stop and spend time with our God, we're less likely to find God present from the point of view of being aware of his presence in our day. So we really have to stop ourselves somewhere. Like I find myself even getting into the car myself and I'm going in the journey. The temptation is to switch on the radio or put on a CD or something like that in the car. I often say, just, no, I'm going to spend this time now in quiet prayer. And even whether it's praying the rosary or just even sharing your heart with God, or that time in the in the car can be become a blessed time. Your, your car can almost become your cell. And the journey towards the person that you're going to meet can be your journey of holiness towards that person and a preparation for an encounter with a human being that's been blessed by the presence of God. Your your favorite program might be coming on the the prog- on the television in, in 20 minutes' time, and instead of saying, okay, I'm going to watch the ads or the program that's before it for 20 minutes, okay, I'm going to, I know what time it's going to start at. I'm going to switch off the TV for 20 minutes, and I'm going to spend this time in the presence of the one who loves me. Yeah, I think that's uh, so uh, vital. It's being present to presence. 
I'm not just trying to be clever there, but it, it, you have to be aware of his presence. Some of the things he's already giving us, a strong, you know, insight of what, what is it, it, those with eyes to see, see, those mm. with ears to hear, hear. So, you know, an obvious one is in scriptures, right there. I mean, the, the sacred scripture, the Holy Bible, that isn't, there are a lot of wonderful writings out there. Even your book is absolutely fantastic. I love it. <laughs> but, oh, thank you. But the thing is, sacred scripture, that's, that's a, a sacramental in nature. I mean, you are encountering the sacred word. And just being present, even just to a little verse or a little something, allowing that to take seed is uh, a, really a time of presence and of grace, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. The scriptures are just alive with the presence of God. And we see the, even the, the people that Jesus met and encountered on his journey through uh, the, the byways of Galilee. If you, if you take, for example, Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road, he wasn't able to see Jesus with his eyes, but he could. He knew the presence of Jesus in his heart, and he knew that this was someone who could transform his life. And you know, we see the beautiful lines of Bartimaeus: "Have mercy on me, a sinner." And even those words of Scripture can really, you know, if it could be the starting point of our prayer: "God, have mercy on me, a sinner," and know that I'm going to encounter the one who who's going to love us and and um, and give us peace. And I love that line as well from Bar where Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? It's obvious that Bartimaeus needs healing of sight, physical sight, because he's blind, obviously. But Jesus doesn't take away his dignity. He gives him incredible respect because for Bartimaeus, physical loss of sight may not have been the thing that's really grappling with in his life. He could have been grappling with something much deeper. And Jesus gave him the opportunity to share with him what was the deepest concern of his heart. And obviously he said to Jesus, I want to see, and that Jesus gave him that gift of, of sight. But that was that encounter between Jesus and one who knew his need of God and who reached out to God, and God touched him at his greatest need and gave him the healing that he deserved. So we, but we see that through all throughout Scripture. It could be uh, Zacchaeus up the tree and Jesus going past and stopping himself and just looking up. And Zacchaeus getting a fright that this man is looking at, she's actually looking at me. Everyone else ignores me and this man is looking at me. And that Jesus saw something in the heart of Zacchaeus that the world couldn't see. And that Jesus sees something beautiful in, in all our hearts. Mm -hmm. And he wants to encounter us. Sometimes in that prayer, you know, it's just even for some, if not in that moment, turning to the scriptures, it can be turning to the window. In your room, I, I, you know, sometimes for me, just watching the sunrise, getting up a little bit earlier, just to sit and watch the change of the day, or maybe it's that for someone, it's the change in, into the evening tide. You know, it's finding that beauty, wherever that might be, it, it, just in that quiet. Somehow, his he makes his presence so felt in that way, doesn't he, Father? Absolutely. I love the line from Wordsworth, William Wordsworth, where he said, let nature be your teacher. And nature can teach us so much about the, the beautiful presence of God in the world. And I often do it myself I'm on retreat. I often forget to do it when I'm busy about my life. But when I, especially when I draw away in retreat, to even to stop and to pick up a leaf and see how incredibly intricate it is and 
the design and the, the work of the creator and just a simple leaf. And they begin to realize that this world is touched by the grandeur of God. He's kissed this world with his beauty. And it's so proofs of his presence is in literally we're surrounded by proofs of his presence. Um, if only we can stop ourselves and become aware. And that's the, that's the thing really to stop ourselves and become aware. We're full of distractions. The, the world around us will distract us con- constantly. But if we can say to ourselves, okay, I'm going to, in, in the midst of this distraction, I'm going to still myself, just become aware of the presence of God within me and aware of the presence of God around me. And I'm going to let God do the rest. Like war, prayer shouldn't really be work. It should be resting in the heart of the one who loves us. So let, let God do the work in some ways. We just prepare ourselves and open ourselves up to receive him and let him do the rest. Yeah, I think that's so key, isn't it? Because when you have that moment that, can we say it, it's a transcendent moment where you have the sense of presence, there's something sacred, something beautiful, that is God trying to communicate with us. He's communicating with us. That's a moment of prayer, isn't it? Absolutely. I love that line from the Catechism uh, from St. Therese, that prayer is a simple glance to heaven and that God is glancing back down at me. And it's just that it's in that simple moment, that encounter, that inspiration. Like even if if you're at home and you get this inspiration, maybe you remember a friend and you want to, oh, I better ring that person up and say, hello, I haven't spoken. That's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's God's life in action in your heart. St. Therese is my favorite, one of my favorite saints. I've, I've thank God, I have a great number of saints that I love, but she's, uh, she's top of the list. But she makes it so simple. She just like it's simple. It we overcomplicate things so much. She wasn't the deepest theologian in the world. She wasn't a mechanic or she wasn't a computer expert, but she was just simple. And she, she's teaching us that simplicity of heart is all we need. We don't have to get the right formula. We don't have to do gymnastics to encounter God. We just have to be simply still in his presence and he will do the rest. And if you take example of, of St. Therese, I think this is like she's a doctor of the church. So this is a girl who had very basic um, education and then she goes to a convent at 15 years of age and she's there till she's 24 till she dies. She didn't attend theolo- theological classes or she didn't read any fancy theological books and yet her writings can be used for teaching. So where did she get all this wisdom? She got it by spending time with God. And God, and Jesus promised us, didn't he? He said that, I will send you another advocate and he will lead you to the complete truth. And that's what happened for Therese. She sat, sat with the presence of the Lord each day in prayer and the Lord led her to the complete truth and taught her in the midst of her life. And if we can stop ourselves, become aware of God, that God can teach us about how wonderful he is, how healing is, how powerful he is in the midst of the brokenness of our lives, the frailty of our lives, the problems of our life. You know, he can teach us the deep wisdom of knowing you're okay. I am with you. I'm with you. We'll continue this conversation in our next episode. You've been listening to The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. 
This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Heart of Prayer with Father Amon Bork.